Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome. It's Hoops Adjacent on the Athletic MBA Show. I am David Aldridge, joined as always by my man, Waz Lambray. Waz, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. Can't complain. Did a, did a day trip to Palm Springs on Saturday. Uh, sat by a pool. It was nice. My pool here at the complex is closed, so it was nice to be able to swim. Palm the first time Springs. That's like that's like going out to see Bob Hope. I didn't know anybody went to Palm Springs anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the things that you know. It's one of the activities that you have to force upon yourself during so. the quarantine because there's just really nothing to do. Right. Was right. it nice to be the youngest person in the entire city? <laughs> <laughs> How about that? How about that Britt Eklund? She's amazing. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. <laughs> that voice you heard is our guest, John Hollinger, Mr. PER with The Athletic, who does great work. John and I are writing a piece tomorrow, as a matter of fact, for The Athletic. Uh, we're taping this on Tuesday, so tomorrow would be Wednesday, so it's probably out by now on what 2021 will look like, John. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me. We are uh, all things uh, bubble life, uh, all things playoffs as we finally get rid of these. What do you see? I was curious. The first thing I wanted to ask you to is what do we call the six teams that are leaving? Like John calls the delete eight, the teams that didn't get invited at all. Like yeah. the people that got the rocks <laughs> I need a good, for Halloween. I need a good game. <laughs> And the, the the playoff teams are the playoff teams. So what are the six teams that were there but didn't make yeah. the playoffs? The, oh, yeah. the severed the severed six, maybe. Se- <laughs> <laughs> I'll know what you call the Wizards. They got to be called something worse because that's that oh, is the most ragtag. Yeah, yeah, they they really not fair to the the other five teams that they're lumped in with the Wizards. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my the, gosh. Yeah. Yacht, Yacht Club six. You know what they need? If if Memphis doesn't end up getting that eighth playoff spot, they need uh, like a live TV episode, like Hard Knock style, of the team moving out of the Yacht Club and into the better hotel. <laughs> right, right, with the real upbeat music. Be an hour special on NBA TV on Monday morning. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's a good idea. So, so we're down to it now. We've gotten we, we've got a great. We have no race in the East, obviously, but we have a great race in the West. Um, with some of the teams that are kind of on the, or literally on the bubble now, um, for that to try and get into that playing round. I'm still not a big playing game guy, but okay, you know it's fine if you want to have an extra team or two involved in it. Um, I just would love. I want Portland in. I don't make no bones about it. I don't nothing against the Spurs or any of the other teams. But I want Portland in playing the Lakers in the first round. I think that would be incredible theater. I think that would be yep. great for the league for Dame to get in and have a chance to really have a team that's good enough to to legitimately challenge the Lakers as an eight seed. I really do think if Portland got in with with Nurkic and Collins back, they would have a legit shot. At, at beating the Lakers. Now, I still think the Lakers will win the series, but I think Portland could give them a hell of a series um, if they were able to get in. So They uh, they haven't always looked like it, looked like it here uh, these last three games. Yeah, it's been you know, weird. They, it's Lillard's hard. playing out of his mind, but their defense is just as bad as it's always been. Yep. And But that takes us to an interesting place, I think, because when you talk about the Lakers, yeah. like right now they can't score. Uh, they, they, they managed to last night against Denver, uh, although everyone's scoring against Denver right now because they're 
uh, only playing be. their good players part of the game. Yeah, it's crazy. We have this great race that everyone's competing so hard for to get the eighth seed, and nobody wants to be third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh, apparently, in the West. They're all falling all over themselves to move behind each other. Uh, but, uh, but I digress. Uh, Lakers offensively have been weirdly bad in the in the play-in tournament, and I think that's a that's a troubling thing going forward. Uh, what, what do you guys think about them? It was interesting to me that they ran the the end of game play for Kuzma last night. I mean, I think you know, to me it was it was it was irrelevant whether he made the shot or didn't make the shot. You know, he made the shot, which is great. You know, for his confidence, but. It's more important to me that they ran the play for him because they could have easily run. Obviously, they could have run something for LeBron or AD. And they if were that just... was a game that actually mattered, they would have cleared the floor out for LeBron. I no, mean, of course, let's, let's oh, of course, of course. Be... yes, of course, <laughs> of course. But I'm just saying they they have they have made it clear that Kuzma's got to be the third guy, right? He's got to be the guy that scores consistently behind LeBron and AD for them to have a, a chance this year. Um, and the fact that they still you know, at this late stage are trying to do things to get his confidence up. I just, I shouldn't say that. his confidence is always up. I mean, a man that says he could shoot over Jesus is, uh, he's got confidence, right? <laughs> um, or but, he's Muslim or something. Right, right, <laughs> right. Could be that too. Um, but the fact that he was, you know, that they, they still are like, Hey, Kyle, you gotta be the, you gotta help us. And we're going to run this last play for you to show that we believe in you. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's a good sign or a bad sign for him, to be honest with you. I'm not sure which way um, I go for them, go with them on that. Um, but he did play well uh, against Denver's, you know, B team. Um, and so um, he's, he's played well the whole time. He's yeah, he probably has. the only Laker who's played better here in the bubble than he did in the regular season before the hiatus. God knows that's not true of Contavious Caldwell Pope. No, that's for sure. it's a weird, it's a weird, and I'm not sure how they think introducing Rondo back in is going to is going to help this you know what I mean like it's not <laughs> I don't know why there's this buzz well but we're going to get Rondo back in a couple of weeks like that's going to change <laughs> you know like like that doesn't help you with with the problems that you have offensively I mean you know it's just not to me I don't think it does it's just another guy that a team doesn't have to guard on the floor you know what I mean so um, and that that's just puts more people in the paint against AD and LeBron. So I don't know why that would be thought of as this is going to help. I don't, it helps you defensively to be sure. But as you mentioned, I don't think the problem is defense, it's offense. Yeah, exactly. And so the other thing you get into though, with the Lakers is, is part of this just a give a shit factor. Yeah. Like we, yes. we, we, we ran into this in Memphis, like when we were good we would play preseason games and it would it would just drive us crazy watching them because you're like in the front office, like it's the first time you get to see your team. Like you're all excited, right. you know, and you want to win by 20, even though, you know, the game doesn't matter. But the players on the court, like they really they know that game does not matter. And even though they like they want to do well and stuff like the fact that they know it doesn't matter definitely changes things on the court for the players. Like, I don't think there's any question about it. And the longer they're in the league, the more it does. I mean, we've seen LeBron obviously pace himself through entire regular seasons in Cleveland and then be like, oh, the playoffs are starting? Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's the king of right. pacing himself. <laughs> right. But seriously, though, because, you know, the Lakers going into last night's game against Denver, I think had a 99 offensive rating, which is – was dead last 
in the bubble. Mile. Like, I'm supposed to believe a team with LeBron James playing as hard as he can 40 minutes a night is going to score a 99 rating clip. I just... <laughs> I just have a hard time believing that to be the case. And again, they clinched really early. Um, these games obviously clearly don't matter. You know, I, t- I think about a team like Portland where their defense is so bad. Like, there's no offense that can't get healthy against Portland. And I'm supposed to believe, like, LeBron's not going to be able to figure out how to score against that team. Figure out how to score against Whiteside. I, I just don't. It's you know, and their wing defenders. There's absolutely nobody who can handle LeBron. And, you know, they, they don't have any wing defenders with size. I mean, once once Ariza yeah. Ariza opted right. out, and, um, and Rodney Hood could have been a guy that you could have at least thrown out there, but he's going. You know, he's he's out too. So yeah, no. Look, I have no illusions that Portland can stop the Lakers. I just think they they could win a one forty to one thirty eight shootout. You know, like. Yeah, Dame goes for forty-five or fifty. You know, in a yep. given night, they could certainly put one forty up against the Lakers. I think, um, but let's let's talk about there's two there's two teams there's three teams we wanted to definitely talk about at the start, which were the two LAs in, in Milwaukee, and kind of mm-hmm. like they're all kind of funky. So what's going on with those three teams? You know, um, and uh, the the Clippers guys. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't I can't figure out. What I think about them, and maybe that's by design, I think, on their part. But I, I'm still kind of not quite sure what I'm seeing out there. What do you guys see out there? I think they're totally fine. I I, I really um, – I, I think you, you go through and look, like even in the bubble, they've, they've played well when like Kawhi and Paul George are out there, and then they get, you know, they get smoked when it's Patrick Patterson and Amir Coffey. But like those guys aren't going to be playing in the, in the playoff yep. games. Um they, they've they've hardly had Patrick Beverly. They haven't had Montrez Harrell at all. Uh, they're still working Lou Will back in. I, I they're the one team that I'm actually not worried about. The one the one thing that I guess that sticks a little bit. I mean the 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 Lakers did go ahead and beat them that first game, right? And yep. uh, so and that's probably the one that was probably the one game the the Lakers kind of actually cared about. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. So, uh, so that, that sticks in the back of your mind a little bit, but I like their matchup against the Lakers. I don't think anyone they will play before the Lakers is capable of beating them. Uh, so I actually think they're in a pretty good position. They've managed to, they, they're managing their guys health and minutes pretty well, obviously with some of the stuff they're doing, but they've still played well when their starters have been on the floor. So I think they're in pretty good shape. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, Basically, ever since last July in Summer League, when they they signed Kawhi, they traded for Paul George, and they put together this team, everybody kind of felt like, I mean, you know, in the media intelligentsia, I guess, is like, this team is a juggernaut. And I've just never felt that way. Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm like everybody else. If you add stack up all of the talent, um, they're probably the most talented team. And when you consider how it mostly fits around each other, I think it's, you know, they're probably the best team, but I think in a in a playoff format where they're getting scouted, I honestly I don't think this team is better than Toronto last year with Kawhi on it. Um when, you know, when you take away when cuz Kawhi is the kind of player who literally operates in a vacuum like he's going to kill his one-on-one matchup no matter what. He's going to get his points. He's going to be able to guard 
um, whoever he's playing against on the other end. I don't think what he does sort of lifts up whatever Paul George is doing or Lou Will is doing or Pat Bev is doing. Um, I think he kind of just lives in a vacuum. And I think the difference between this team and Toronto's last year is that Toronto, they had all of these guys mostly together for years. And they had these like two offenses. We always talked about the ISO heavy Kawhi stuff and the continuity based stuff that they were doing with Cal Lowry and, you know, Siakam and, and, and Fred Van Vliet and the rest of the bunch. I just think the stuff outside of Kawhi on Toronto last year is just much better than what the Clippers do outside of Kawhi this year. And I just think that team is just way more vulnerable than people give it credit for. And it's specifically against the Lakers when LeBron is going to do the walk it up the court all freaking game, go possession by possession, try to figure out how to exploit whatever the freaking matchup um, advantage is on every single possession. He's going to do it for 40 minutes a game. Um, I just don't think they're like some they're like some four to one team better than the Lakers are. I just don't see it that way. In, in a playoff setting. So that's that's always been, to me, their vulnerability. Um, they don't have that continuity. This is a completely new team. They've never done anything together in the playoffs. And, you know, Kawhi is just not the type of dude where he's like, he's going to be setting up Paul George so that he's getting his touches in the most optimal spots. No, he's just going to be killing the guy in front of him every single time. Um, and so that's that's what I think yeah, is their vulnerability. Yeah, no, it's great. It's a great thing to have, man. That's been proven. Kawhi up top ball screen works for me. <laughs> no, I think I'm good with that. That's an offense. I think you're right. I will say this, John. I think you're right. I, I do kind. Of, I do. I did. You know, not count and take into consideration that you know Montrez has not been there, and he's a big part of what they do. Um, and certainly, um, you know, it is going to be interesting to see how teams load up against them in the playoffs. Like if I'm, if I'm playing them, I almost want that kind of one four stagnant offense where there's no flow. And it's just, it's just a series of ISOs for, for Kawhi or for PG or for Lou Will. And there's not anything happening on the weak side. Because I think that's where, to me, see, I thought when they got Marcus Morris, I thought game over because he's like the quintessential weak side guy to me. Like, that's the guy that will kill you on the weak side if you're loading up to take something away and you swing it over to him and he's just knocking down jumpers or driving to the basket. But he just doesn't, I don't know, he hadn't looked too good to me so well, far. Well- and also, he started the season with the Knicks. Yeah. He started the season with the Knicks where he was their main option. Right. <laughs> which is just, yeah. that's the and opposite that's- role that he's he's supposed to be ideally playing on the Clippers. And he has done the ball stopper, possession killer, one-on-one, you know, make you want to bang your head against the wall stuff with the Clippers. He's done a decent amount of that. I don't know if that will continue in a postseason setting, but he has been like sort of. It's been hard for him to shake his. I was the man in New York, right? For and that's a month what I thought. He would, I figured he would do that. That's, I guess, why I was a little. I'm a little surprised that he hasn't seemed like he's really kind of figured it out. When it seemed to me that's the obvious thing you're going to do going to a championship team, right? Like you're not going to get 25 shots a game. You know that, right? I mean, it's just. I mean, I just. It would seem that would be, and he's a smart guy. So, um, you know, again, this is nitpicking. Let's talk Bucks. What do we think about Milwaukee? Um, there's been stretches where they've looked great, but then there's been stretches where they really haven't looked good at all. And I just wonder, you know, 
Again, I think I might be overthinking this one with Milwaukee. I think they're clearly the best team in the East. Uh, even though I give Toronto their props and respect as, a, as a, having a chance to beat them. I'm not saying they don't. Of course they do. But I still think Milwaukee's the best team in the East by a lot when they're playing well. It's just that they're not playing as consistently well as they had been beforehand. The the Bucks, I mean, I think definitely with them, it's a little bit of that whole issue of like they know these games don't matter. Um, you know, th- Bud is definitely fl- like flipping through his whole bench in some of these games. But even, even so, even with their best players on the court, they haven't been as good, as sharp as we saw before the hiatus. Uh, I do think opponents have maybe figured out a little bit the strategy that the Bucks use defensively um, that, um, that, that if they just launch and launch and launch, they can at least get to like something approaching halfway decent offense rather than, you know, like don't even try going to the rim against them basically. Cause they're, cause they're taking that away anyway. So like, so like, screw it. We're just going to, we're just going to stay out here. We're just going to take 63 pointers and, and maybe, you know, if we, if we make 25 of them, we'll beat you. And if we don't, we won't. Um, they, um, the, the nice thing for Milwaukee is that Boston has nobody who can guard Giannis. And I think Boston might be able to knock out Toronto, in which case that, that, that almost grooves them into the finals. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated. I mean, it's been all you know. This is what Milwaukee does. They give you threes, and it's it's fascinating to me um, because it's so antithetical. Um, but I did, uh, John. You're right. I have always wondered well, what happens when they face a team that can make that really can make threes. You know what I mean? Like we saw when they played Houston, and Houston, you know, beat them because they can make threes. You know, I mean, you can't get into a three point shooting contest with Houston. You know, and so. When you get and to it's that, it's not just that they make threes; it's that they were getting them so easily. Yeah, it's literally yeah. Westbrook just driving at the guy who's supposed to be guarding the the strong side corner, the dude packing the paint and just lofting an easy pass, <laughs> one pass away to an open corner three. That's just not acceptable to me. And I don't. And you know they had the quote unquote best defense in the NBA this season. And a lot of it is just playing the math, right? It's like when I'm playing the Knicks or I'm playing Cleveland or I'm playing Charlotte, this strategy is going to completely blow them out the water because they can't shoot. They have no playmakers. It's it's I'm going to be able to sort of pad my defensive numbers against those type of teams. But when you play a team like Houston, who I guess obviously is an extreme example, but they straight up just... They, they straight up want to just shoot the threes all day, every day. And these are good looks. Like, you can say what you want about somebody like Jeff Green or even a P.J. Tucker. But, man, wide open corner looks. I don't think that's a shot you want to just keep yielding possession after possession. And, th- and that isn't the shot they're supposed to be giving up when they're, pl- when they're going right. I mean, they, they, they're, they're set up to live with bigs shooting above the break threes. Um you know, and you know, Dan- Daniel Tice, take all the threes you want. Right, you know? right, right. That's that, that's that's basically their mo. Um, and when you uh, when you play a team like Houston, where there are no bigs, <laughs> then it gets a little more complicated, and and you're counting more on just the fact that that Giannis is going to dictate or Brooke Lopez's post game is going to dictate that you have to play big against them. You have to have a non-shooter out there. Yeah. 
I don't know that I still don't believe Milwaukee will will get out of the East fairly easily, um, even if it is Toronto. And again, people that you know, people in Canada are very paranoid about the Raptors, so they're going to think I'm hating on the Raptors, and I'm not. Um, I think they have a chance. I think they have a very good chance, actually. But I still think Milwaukee's the best team when they're locked in. Um, it's mm-hmm. and again, it may but just. Why be, do you hate Canada? I know. Why do I hate Canada? <laughs> I don't know. I don't He's know. A I Starbucks a, guy. He's I had a bad Tim experience Hortons. at a Tim Hortons one time. No, come on. I'm joking, Canada. Come no, on. but but see, but my problem, David, is that I, watching the Dallas game got me really worried. Because it's just a matter of somebody complete, like going into every single possession and knowing exactly what the defense is going to do, right? Like, and in a playoff setting, when teams have all the time to just focus on what it is you're going to do and you're so predictable, teams are going to, like, forget about somebody like, obviously, guys like Luka and Harden, these, and, and LeBron say they go into any game. And it takes them, you know, maybe a quarter and a half to be like, all right, I know what this defense is trying to do to me. And I know how I'm going to go ahead and um, and attack it, right? If you're Toronto, obviously Kyle Lowry is nowhere near on the playoff, I mean, on the level of any of the players I just mentioned. But I think collectively, IQ-wise, as a team, they can hunt great shots against this No defense. questions, yes, no questions. And right. they, you know, it's a matter of whether they make them or not. That's what happened, and they were criticized for last year was that the, the feeling that Toronto did figure them out as the series went on. Uh, remember, they were up 2-0. They had them right. on the ropes yeah, in game right, three. Right. And the, just that 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 they kept doing the same thing, and Toronto kind of figured it out, and, and Toronto kept throwing little tweaks back at them and, and kind of was able to flip the advantage their way. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And, and look, Toronto's got, you know, that unique kind of, mix of the the championship dna with with you know i think upside still in some of their guys right so i mean yeah there's there's no question well let's put it this way i think we'd all love to see toronto and milwaukee in the in the conference finals because it's not going to be philly i think we can all we can all agree on that well gents at least some of the beaches are open the sun is shining and it's hot so you may uh need to do some uh grooming if you know what i'm saying So Manscaped is here to ensure that your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Uh, I don't have a funny manscaping story. It's not what I do. So, Waz, I know this is is in your wheelhouse. I know you have the perfect package. And I know you continue to swear by the product. I know. It's the the best. Um, The 3.0 kit, it's, it's amazing. I think my favorite feature, obviously as I've talked about many a times, is the waterproof component. The fact that you could take this cordless thing into the shower and get your business done and the cleanup is just right there in the entire cleanup process. As you're cleaning your body, everything is happening all at once. You're just shedding all of this stuff and it's just <laughs> happening in, in, in one place. It's, it's incredible. Another thing is, it's the gauge as well, right? Like you right. can trim it to different levels. Some people might not want to be clean as a baby. You know, <laughs> some people might want that five o'clock shadow effect and manscape the 3.0 helps you achieve that as well um very that's my favorite thing the effect in this but just the ease of use um for people who are new to male grooming it's not so it's not going to be a long process where you have to master something right it's not like say cutting your own hair or something this is like um this is just so easy just the ease of use um the the durability of it as far as 
you know, the waterproof, outdoor. It just doesn't matter where where you want to use this thing. And that's my favorite thing about it. And I think people who've never done it before, the results are going to speak for themselves. It's one of those things you didn't know you wanted or needed before you actually use it. So I swear by the Perfect Package 3.0. Um, I've had it for about a year now almost. Um, and, and I just love it. Man, well... Well, I said it better than I ever could. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. So I want to talk about Philly real quick because I just, it's such a train wreck. It's just such a delicious train wreck. I cannot stop thinking about Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal. I cannot stop thinking about that as something that would be wondrously good for both of those franchises. Just wondrously good. And and talk, walk me up, take me off the ledge. Tell me why I'm crazy to think that that, that trade would help both teams immensely. Yeah, I kind of like that. That's 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 a pretty interesting trade right there. I mean, fit, Philadelphia, I think, has to embrace. It, it, they need two things. One, they they need more ball handling and shot creation on the perimeter. But then I think that's they also need to embrace the idea of being built a little more the way the Rockets were around Olajuwon, where where you surround Joel Embiid with skill, but not with other bruisers and other non-shooters. And it's almost a requirement. Like you have to be able to, <laughs> you have to be able to shoot if, if you're going to play with Joel Embiid. And I think they went the other way. They kind of went all in on defense this year with, with Horford, uh, with, you know, obviously Simmons trading up to get Tybull. Um, and they still aren't an awesome defensive team after all that. I think that's been the shocking thing that they like, they're all right. They're pretty good. But I think the expectation was that they were just going to be this hellacious, awesome team with their size and ability to shrink the floor and everything. And it just hasn't happened. And so the, the mediocrity of their offense has bubbled up and become such an issue because the defense isn't awesome the way we thought it would be. What happened to that defense, though, John? Because, like, me, when they put the team together last summer, I was just looking at the defensive talent that they assembled between Joel and Horford and Simmons and Josh Richardson. I'm just like, this is going to be one of the best defenses we've seen in the last five years, um, the collective talent. And even in the second round, the way they defended Toronto was amazing. They looked incredible on defense. So I'm like, look, they they added more defensive talent. This is going to be a team that makes his bones just grinding offenses to dust and it just straight up hasn't materialized. Why is that? I'm I still scratch my head when I see them and I and I wonder the same thing because the the like the individual defensive talent. I mean, even even with Hor- Horford having lost a step or whatever, that should be shut down talent. I, I think yeah. they, they haven't been locked in every night, I think it's fair to say. Um, and I, but I, I don't know. It's a, is that an identity? Is that an identity thing? I think they're almost too big too, for the current NBA. Mm-hmm. We, we're playing with Horford at four and Harris at three. I, I, I think 
just the way the league is going, like it's tough to be that huge and be awesome on defense. Yeah, I just yeah, I, I, the switching is, I think, a problem for them, right? I mean, I just think it's, and, and again, I think Al still can play, but I don't think he can play in space and certain, you know, and, and he's up, yeah. you know, to me, you know, he'd be, he'd be terrific on it, you know, as a star. I, well, I shouldn't say terrific. He's not terrific anymore. He he would still be very effective to me, um, like on a San Antonio. To me, that's always been like my dream Al, Al, Al Horford's uh, destination for him, um, mm-hmm. where he could kind of be the anchor of their defense. Um, in the, as a the, five. As right? a five, exactly, right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, as a four that has to switch out, and, uh, it's just not what he does. And it's not really what he's ever done, really. I mean, it's not that's not something he's uh, ever done. Yeah, not since Atlanta, and that right. was in an era of basketball where you, where you weren't switching nearly as much. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't, you know, I think, but I agree with you. And I want, I mean, look, I still am not sold on Embiid in terms of. There's just so many times where the body language is still not good. Yep. Um, it's just yep. not good. You yeah, know, yeah, you could see that like that first game in Indy against Indy, right yeah. from the get go. Right. He's at the end of the first quarter, he's yelling at Shake Milton while the game's going on. Right, right. And, he, and then they get a steal and a three off of a lousy inbounds pass. Yeah. So, I, you know, I just, man, but here's the deal, though. I'm going to ride with him. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's the best I've got by a lot. And he's certainly capable of dominance. So, to your point, John, I got the best way to ride with him is to put four shooters around him, right? I mean, what... I mean, and you're playing a lot of Harris at the four. Okay. Uh, you know, you have to, I can live with that and tie ball at the three. And, and again, I think Beal at the two would be outstanding for them. And for the Wizards, look, it gives you a, it finally gets you in the business of, ca- of caring about defense again. You know what I mean? Like um, to have him and then maybe if you luck into an Okoro or somebody in the draft and now all of a sudden you've got two plus defenders on the court with a returning wall. And if wall is healthy, He's not, he shouldn't be a minus defender, right? I mean, at best he should be, you know, a, a yeah. null set. So now at least you can go out there and then think about trying to stop the opposition. Now you, the scoring is going to be a little tight. I grant you that, but but you can't beat anybody giving up one thirty every night, you know. So, but but Dave, I want to ask you guys this because you mentioned the Rockets and in the context of, of Philadelphia. Um, when the Rockets are right as this nitro small ball thing that they put together, they're flying around on defense. Like they're they're literally going balls to the wall because they know that if they don't, they're going to get killed, right? Like it's, it's sort of like a self-preservation. I don't want to get embarrassed out here. So they go hard. Um, we mentioned the Sixers just not doing that. And this is not a show that, that that fires a lot of coaches, but like, what's the Brett? What's Brett Brown's role in all of this? That they don't seem to have an identity. Like we know for a fact they're not an offensive team, <laughs> and yet they're still apathetic on defense. So, what is this team's identity, and what does it say about maybe the coach or the environment or the culture or whatever? I don't know what it is that they just haven't found one, and what does that say about Brett Brown? Well, is it is it the is it the coach per se, or is it the coach being the same coach for the seventh year in a row or whatever it is? How long has he been there? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough that way when it's the same. Embiid's had the same coach his whole career. Simmons has 
if they heard the same words from a different voice, would the reaction be different? Yeah, mm. I think it's. I think there's definitely. I mean, Phil used to. Phil Jackson used to always say, seven years, right? After seven years, no matter how good you are, or how good they are, they stop listening to you, right?" So, um, and I think there's probably some of that there. Um, you know, I don't know who you would bring in who could kind of light a fire under them def- defensively. I mean, could you bring in Jeff Van Gundy? I, I suppose, yeah. I suppose you could, right? I mean, I suppose you could. Um, but, but John, what do you better? think about uh, just culturally as somebody who was in the front office? I'm not going to lie. I'm somebody who rolled my eyes during the entire process thing. I just thought it was unbecoming. <laughs> just the whole <laughs> the whole thing. Maybe I'm just a naive basketball purist, utopia, and all of that. But just the idea that you would make losing – Part of your identity because it serves some greater good down the line, potentially. I just, whatever. I was against that from the start. But also the idea of like, Joel, you're the process. You're the savior. You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Joel, you're the best. And now expect him to sort of be a man about all of this when he's been coddled from day one. What do you think about that? That's uh, that's interesting. I mean, Joel named himself the process, right? Right. Yes, <laughs> I am the process. <laughs> but I mean, there 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 definitely there definitely was some of that. But they also, I mean, they actually took a hard line with him though on not playing him, and to to his great dismay. I mean, there was that game against us when we were in Memphis where they pulled him at the start of overtime, and I mean, he was. He was playing awesome because yeah. um, he'd hit his he'd hit his minutes limit, and he's on the sideline kicking the chair, yeah. and we ended up beating him in overtime, you know. And uh, so I I don't think they coddled him in some ways, but it's j- in general, I mean, it's just hard when you have talent at that level and you know that they in they in some ways are the driving the bus and and not you. Yeah, I think right? that's because because yeah. that's, that's a deal with every NBA team. Like you say, hey, we're management and all that, but like, you know, get out of here, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. Who do you think they're going to pick? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just yeah. it's a simple. Thing. So yeah, I, I look, I I think it'll be fascinating to see what. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with John in a few minutes to talk more about the bubble and the playoffs. But first, a brief word from our friends at Indochino. And let's talk about another team that I think we is going to be fascinating this summer. And that's new Orleans. Like I keep hearing the, I just keep hearing stuff. Yeah. I think we've all heard that that not only is Alvin Gentry probably not going to be back, but there's going to be all kinds of changes to the roster too. So I'm, I'm fascinated how they're going to kind of tinker or will they, or will they go all in? Will they go, you know, and do major surgery? I don't know. Well, so there are two competing things here, right? What what does David Griffin want to do, and what will an ownership allow David Griffin to do? Yeah, right, right. Mm, good question. Um, good, good especially point. as regards Alvin, right? Yeah. Okay. And and his future, I think certainly what's going on financially in the league is going to make owners a lot more leery about coaching changes. We've already seen it in Chicago. Um, right. I think we're going to see it in one or two other places, and then. In turn, you know, what does that what does that say about what what they can do with with the roster? How much freedom will they have to spend money, sign more players, do those kinds of things? Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting question. But Griff's not going to do AD part two and just start spending oh, no, 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 wildly no. on assets 
No, no, I just mean trades. I'm thinking more trades. Yeah, but but I mean they got to look at Drew Holiday and what his future is. Right, that's the guy I was thinking about because I mean he was like three seconds from going to Denver, right? And then they pulled back at the last minute, and I don't know why you wouldn't like revisit that. Um, either whether it's Denver or somewhere else, I mean, he he clearly is going to bring you a lot if you if you were to move him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think that they have a they're going to have a very interesting off season because you could look at them as, hey, you know, this this was a great first year after you know first full season with new management and 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 Zion and we got you know we we had this fun year and we would we would have obviously done way better if Zion had been healthy or you could say you know guys we got a lot of work to do here we are not in yeah. we're not anywhere close to um being good enough in the west um you know because i mean remember they had that at the start of the season the the historically bad defense that they had out of the gate um yep. and you, so i just wonder how and, and to your point john if you're if you're if you're um gail benson how do you what do you think of, of the Pelicans? Like, do you see, I'm still, I have never been convinced and people in New Orleans have told me that I'm crazy and that they, that they're just as, they care just as much about the Pelicans as they do the saints. I, I'm never going to believe that they care as much about the Pelicans as they care about the saints ever, ever. It's, they, they, so, so, um, I'm, I'm married, married into a New Orleanian, uh, family. Yeah, uh, they, yeah. they, nobody from new Orleans is going to care as much about the Pelicans as they do right, about the Saints. Right, right, like right. let's, let's not be absurd. Right. But they, they still can care about the Pelicans though. Um, right. You're right. So I got you. Right. That, that's, that's fair. You know, that's fair. Uh, and from, from what I've seen and heard, like I, I do think she does care about the Pelicans, but I also think like, gone to her head she cares more about the saints right yeah. right but like, you're right you're right you can care about the pelicans you know it doesn't mean you don't care about the pelicans if you care about the saints more that is fair i i grant you that um i do i but i still wonder what they'll do i do wonder how what that offseason is going to be like um given that griff had the experience in cleveland that he had where he built a team around a superstar and you know if we are to believe what he said to sports illustrated is what he thought did not really enjoy it all that much, you know? So, so do you do that again with, with Zion or do you, do I you mean, wanna... but did, did he enjoy the Kyrie Dion waiters, Tristan Thompson? Era? I'm just telling you what he said. What? Think... Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Right. Um, right. But, but uh, you know, timeline wise, you have somebody like Ingram, who played good enough to make an all-star team. Some people might quibble and say maybe he didn't deserve it all the way, but whatever. He was good. No, he was very good he, this year. He got he there. Very good this um, year. Obviously, there's, there's the Zion factor, but, like, what do you do there? Is it just straight up, all right, we're committed to just, quote-unquote, rebuilding and, and building up as many assets as we possibly can? Or do they continue to do, you know, stuff on the margins, like two-year deals for J.J. Redick types and, trading for Derek Favors types and like I don't I don't know what the what the idea is there because again remember before the season started there was a lot of chatter about New Orleans and they're gonna fight for the playoffs and they're they're good enough to do this and that and now it's kind of like maybe this is a completely re- rebuilding organization you know obviously 
we think way more highly of Zion than we do R.J. Barrett, but like they're closer to doing what the Knicks are doing than say what the Kings are doing. Uh, well, I mean, they they had enough talent this year to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, mean, I think they're they, further along talent wise than than I. Well, well, teams. yes, the Knicks, are, the Way Knicks are a special talent. Case. Go forward with Ingram and Zion. If you do right. something with Drew Holiday, you're going to get stuff back, right? right. You'll get a ton and back. It doesn't, sure. and it doesn't have to be a draft pick in 2024, right? right. It can be, right. it can be young players or whatever, or. or or other things that help you more now. I do think you talked about Reddick. I think they have to look at moving Reddick too. He's got one year left at 13. I think he'd be really in demand for the right team, sure. you know, contending teams. Yeah. Um, and then they got to improve that bench. Man, I, mean, though. We, that, I mean, that was a bag of shit. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeru holiday next to Jimmy buckets would be kind of interesting. It'd be very interesting to me. <laughs> you in, know, in, in Miami. Yeah. yeah they, yeah. Yeah, I mean, next, you know, going forward. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. He's the kind of guy yeah. that would be perfect for that culture. And then if you're, you know, if I'm getting back a Kendrick Nunn and, and or, you know, some of the young, you're not going to get out of bio, but some of their, you know, some of those young guys. You can get, get Duncan Robinson. If right. You get, yeah. Yeah, you know, another good young piece. Yeah, Miami, does Miami have any picks left to trade? Or th- not not they this might century. Have, does Miami ever have picks? <laughs> not this century. <laughs> Second round. But knowing, knowing Riles as we all do, we know that Riles isn't really about the rebuilding. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. and especially going into 21, if the cap number is, you know, adversely impacted, that, as it probably yeah. will be, right? That's, yeah, that's the whole thing with trading for, for Drew for them right now is that they're they're trying to set themselves up for for 21 and the, you know, make the run at Giannis if they can. And if not, there's a bunch of other high profile guys, including actually Drew Holiday. Right. Himself. That's that's my uh, point is like, why? Why, you know, try to bend over back? I mean, they've 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 set themselves up to be able to do that. But why yeah. not just get the sure thing now? You know what I mean? Like as opposed to going out there and you may who knows you may have eight, nine, 10 million less in cap room than, than you planned for. Right. So no um, offense to drew holiday. He's just not sexy enough to commit to right now. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to get guys who are top five in the league. And okay. I, I just yeah, don't right. think, yeah. I just don't think I, at the end of the day, I don't think they're going to foreclose a 10% chance at Giannis to get drew holiday right now. Okay. That's fair. I, I that's just, fair. Um, do we see, let's, 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 um, get going on this um as we as we look at the playoffs is there anybody that has piqued your interest in terms of they could be dangerous in in the in the playoffs that's been down there so far is there anybody that that you go wow okay they got a little more than i thought they did or they're playing better than i thought they would uh they're not playing well right now but uh denver nuggets mm, okay Denver yeah. Nuggets with with their real players. So that means if they have Barton back, if they have Gary Harris back, Jamal Murray just came back. Um, and with Michael Porter now shooting the way he is and being so much of an offensive factor. I mean, the thing that always you always looked at Denver and you're like, OK, the shootings when you get in a playoff environment with this team, the shooting is really suspect. Well, now you have this guy going bombs away. He can play three and four. Uh, I think he's a little bit of a game changer for them. And 
makes me feel a lot better about them getting out of the first round where I thought they were vulnerable. Like, can they beat the Clippers because they have Michael Porter? Like, no. But but feel a lot better about their the ceiling they can get to and about them really having an advantage against those other teams they might face in the first round. Wow, well, you got anybody that you that really you're... I mean, not really. Uh, you know, like Denver, the problem with Denver – you know, specifically with a Lakers matchup or a Clippers matchup. Um, of course, with the Clippers, they got nothing for the two wings. They just uh, just defensively, they have nothing there. And the Lakers is a different proposition because they just beat you up inside. And much as I love Jokic, he's just still a – you just can't count on your defense to be tough around the rim with him as your center. Um, and I just think defensively, it's just not going to work, man. Like, they're just so vulnerable um, in those high-leverage possession situations. And that's before you even think about getting dudes like Jokic in foul trouble. Uh, I just – I just defensively, I just can't buy it for them. Um, the Rockets thing, uh, as much as everybody's like, oh, that's a matchup problem for the Lakers. That's a matchup problem for this – Dude, Russell Westbrook in the half court in the playoffs has never been good, ever, under any circumstance, any context. The KD, the KD version of the Thunder, the Paul George version of the Thunder, um, and I just don't think it's going to change. Like, in a half, against a set half court defense, he's got to make jumpers, something he's never done in his life consistently. I just can't see it for them. I hate to be the boring person, but to me, it's still about the big three teams in the playoffs. I'm not scared of, if I were any of those, the, the top three, I wouldn't be scared of any of these quote-unquote sleepers, contenders, et cetera. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to ride or die with Portland. I just think, you know, if, you know, Melo as a third option, he seems like he's embraced that role. Um, he's a damn good third option offensively. Now, again, they're not going to guard this chair I'm looking at right now. I understand that, but... Boy, they, they're going to be able to score. And I think, you know, a guy like Damian Lillard that sent teams home in the playoffs, I think would just – he would, he's going to be a problem no matter who they play in the first round to me. So, Well, clear. Um, I mean, he's he's been insane, yeah, right? He's yeah. – like he's been arguably the best player in the bubble. Yeah, and I just – I just yeah, – I don't know. Sure. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I could be crazy. And, you know, <laughs> another thing, too, is, like, for whatever reason, LeBron has just had a bad go of it against Portland in his life. That's true. <laughs> like, has never done well. You never know, well he's just – fit like, Portland has been this weird kryptonite um, but that, for LeBron. But, that's, and, but part of that is because he just – the Lakers playing, had not played well in Portland forever. You know, like, yeah, going back and, to when and Kobe was there. And also it was, was there, like, right? so you I mean, actually had to play in PDX. Um, that's what I'm saying. They, in they, the bubble they, circumstances, right. you're playing in. Right, you know, the, Lake, the Lakers Florida. haven't been good in Portland since Kobe, Kobe days. Right. You know, yeah, they've they, never been good in Portland. Yeah, I would, I would go to all those games. Yeah, they've always struggled there. Yeah, yeah. So, so that is one one area where you know Portland loses some of that advantage, obviously being at home. But look, I, I always, if a guy can get forty every night, you got a shot. I don't care who it is. Yep. <laughs> and that guy can yeah. get forty every night. So, I mean. Um, that, so it'll be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating to see. I'm glad we got through this kind of, you know, I don't know what you would call this round. I'm not going to call it seeding games because that's what the league calls it. Um, I'm going to call it something else, you know, more snarky, but we've gotten through it and we're at the playoffs now and it'll be 
I think it's going to be great fun. Uh, I think the West is going to be dynamite. Um, one through eight, I think every series is going to be compelling. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I mean, I, I, this is this is the part of... I wasn't sure what I would think about the bubble, but the quality of the play has been pretty good, all to, all things considered. Um, and I think that the playoffs are setting up to be something fascinating. Um, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, so I think we'll we'll get out there because Jade said we got to keep these things to 45 minutes. So <laughs> we're going to keep it to 45 minutes. John, thank you so much for joining us, man. All right, guys. Great, great talk. Great talk. Thank you always. for the time, John. Yeah. No. And I uh, hope you enjoy the postseason. And uh like I said, John and I wrote a piece about the 2021 season that uh, should be up as you're listening to this uh, in The Athletic. So uh, take uh, take a read of that. Take a listen. Leave a five-star review, please, on Apple Podcasts of our, of our little show here. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks.